Good evening, listeners. Welcome to Captain Caveman's Cruise Ship, a place where we chat and vibe. I'm your captain, Michael Cave, and I'll be your navigator today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Welcome aboard. Today's passenger is Bill Burns. Bill, welcome aboard. Hey, how's it going? It's going pretty good, man. Long time no talk to. Yeah, it's been quite a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and get started. So let's get into uh, how you and I met. It was about, according to my memory bank, 2008-ish, 2009-ish, right? Yeah, right around there. Yeah, you were still in Sacramento. Yeah. And yep. now you live in where? Orange County? Now, yep, I'm in uh, Fullerton, California, in Orange oh, County. Okay, okay. You know, they had a really good baseball team, college baseball team back in the day, Mark Kotze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, the program is actually still pretty strong. They're pumping out players left and right. So it's a, it's a good program. Right on, right on. So, yeah, we, I think we played on this team called the Astros originally. Is that no, it was the Capitals. No, 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 no. Hold on a second. The Capitals was the end of the road, I'm pretty sure. The Astros was like the first thing, and then we got these fancy uniforms and really nice uniforms. I mean, just top notch. And then uh, new players, and yeah, I think it was the Astros first, and then we switched over to that Capitals thing, and that's when I retired okay. after that. <laughs> that was pretty much bridge. <laughs> oh, it, it was, yeah. Yeah, that was probably. I mean, I have some really life, like good lifelong friendships that came out of that team, but the baseball experience was horrible, and it probably the worst baseball experience of my life. Me too, and I thought it was just me. It was just a, a poor coach and just no direction, no real leadership, and uh, no game plan. And in baseball, as yeah. you know, it's, it's really important to have a game plan. It's a strategy. It's all about strategy. Yep. Oh, yeah. So. Yep, it was uh, it was a mess, and you and I were the were the two pitchers, and so that was <laughs> yep. that was fun. I, I felt like we did good. We just didn't have any defense. We had zero defense. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I, I remember you came over to my house when I lived in Antelope, and we took batting practice. I had the the pitching machine, yep. and you know those were mm -hmm. the days because it was just like to me, it was a testament of both of our dedication. And commitment oh, yeah. to the game and our, our craft. And I know you uh, are really adamant and passionate about pitching. And for me, when I was playing baseball growing up, I was always in the outfield because of my speed. Mm -hmm. So so they never really let me pitch until in Little League I was on a garbage team. It wasn't as bad as the Capitals, but it was a pretty garbage team. And uh, the, the coach pitched me every day because it gave the team chance to win. But my arm, oh my gosh, it was just garbage after that whole experience, just because I was basically pitching every single game. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Very frustrating. I, yeah. Very, very, very frustrating. And it, it, I don't quite remember how you exited the team, but my exit was <laughs> not very good. <laughs> I think yours was better than mine. I just uh, told him, you guys can take this uniform and stick it where the sun don't shine. I, I was just yeah. done because I think my exit was uh, the coach, Jose, he just wouldn't play me for whatever reason. And 
I'm like, well, I'm paying for this. I'm actually good. And you have some little quirk that you just don't like me or something. So you just made me ride the bench. So I think I just walked out of a game and just said, I'm, yeah. I'm done. I'm not coming back. And that's just not my style. So uh, that's when I yeah. knew I was done with the game. And uh, I just lost that passion, that joy. I've done for because, I mean, it was like a bad apple out of a sea of, you know, really good network. I, I had contemplated it too. I, I, uh, sure. So we were playing a game on Father's Day. And at the time, after you had left, we picked up another pitcher and he was throwing the majority of the innings, but his arm was done. It was hanging by a thread. And so we were playing against uh, a team called the Red Sox. They're one of the better teams in the league. And I was throwing. I, I started the game. And I was cruising through, actually doing really well. I think it gave up two hits or something. And in, it was like the fourth or fifth inning, um, I walked the bases loaded, right? And because hmm. I've been known to have some control problems here and there. Happens when you throw 92 on the black. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jose was playing first base. He threw his hands up and said, time, I'm changing my pitcher. Wow. And in the back of my head, I knew that the only pitcher that we had left was this guy named Dallas and he was hurting. And I was, I, I was just disgusted. I was like, really? I thought we were actually ahead. We were winning. Um, they hadn't scored a run yet. And he just, so as he walked towards me, I just, the ball <laughs> and, and it, i don't know why i did that i've never done anything like that before i you know i'm always a good sport i'm a great teammate but just it just made me so mad because he I, he was gonna bring somebody in that was gonna be hurting even more and it was just i don't know it was just frustrating altogether so we kind of got in each face and kenny he was catching Kenny dugdale yep mr yep. dugdale yes he was catching and he came and woke us up and stayed for the rest of the game just stayed in the dugout i didn't play the rest of the game and left and like the whole time this was in 2009 and i just kept saying i can't wait till 2010 i can't wait till 2010 <laughs> and so i uh, i left the next day jose called me and said i'm not having you back out there he, he's wow like, he's like if you want to give me your jersey back i'll pay for it but you're you're not on this team anymore and so uh since i left since i was kicked off the team I've never been cut, kicked off any team in my life. It was crazy. But um, wow. So Kenny left the team as well because of that. And mm. we, we ended up getting picked up by a triple A team um, that was really good and probably had the, like probably the most fun that I've had playing baseball in a long time um, because it was a group of good guys. Um, they were really talented. We competed and it was fun. And yeah. they embraced us, like, and they had our backs. Like the the capital, a couple of the Capitals guys showed up to one of our games, and they were kind of like mean mugging us. And the oh. guys on our on our new team got in their face, and it was it was fun. Like it was it was yeah. it was what baseball supposed to be. And yeah. so um, so after that season, Kenny and I started our own team, and we called it the Outlaws. And, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And so we did that. I think we played for three or four seasons, and we played during the fall too. And then I, that's when I ended up moving to LA. So. Okay. Uh, and then Kenny, Kenny played on a couple teams afterwards, but he's retired now too. So I'm yeah. still going strong. <laughs> yeah. That, that experience left a really bad taste in my mouth. It was, I think one of the first times that 
I, you know, if you look at it like war and soldiers and uh, an officer, your soldiers are like, they have a choice. They're, they're yeah. supposed to follow orders. And if you remember uh, the movie series Band of Brothers on HBO, uh, there yeah. was this guy, Lieutenant Dyke, and uh, the soldiers were like, I'm not following that guy into the battlefield you know, get us all killed. And that's what that coach Jose kind of represented, just a guy that you just didn't want to follow his lead because you didn't respect him. He didn't know what he was doing. It yeah. was just, he had a huge ego and a low skill set, <laughs> you know, low, ba- low <laughs> baseball IQ. But that left such a bad taste in my mouth to where I just walked away from the game. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need this. Uh, you guys were like refugees that got picked up by a foreign country, which was great. sounds like it worked out for everybody. But for me, you know, if I had gotten that call, maybe I would have joined you guys, but I don't, I don't know. I just, I didn't like that experience. It was like, you're paying money. You expect to go out there and have fun. And I just sat there. I'm like, I've never been a bench rider, you know, bench warmer, nothing like that. People are like, Oh, this guy's fast. He wants to pitch. And I don't know if you remember, Way back when, I used to bring this uh, Spalding folder to the uh, games, and it had printouts of certain pitches that I wanted to throw. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> Laminated. So, yeah, I uh, was really taking it seriously. I just was trying fork balls and knuckle balls and split finger fastballs and circle change-ups. I was trying to really hone that craft and... Uh, people were making fun of me, but it was just like, you know what? I'm having fun. I'm still reasonably passionate about this game. It wasn't about hitting for me. It was all about pitching. Mm-hmm. It was all oh, about, yeah. this is the first time in my athletic career that I can choose what I want to do instead of somebody choosing for me, which I was glad that I had that opportunity. I think uh, when we played for the Astros, it was better but uh, the Outlaws was just a really cool-looking uniform and just a terrible team dynamic. That's the yeah. best thing you that I can say about that. Right? Uh, yeah, excuse me, not the Outlaws, the uh, <laughs> Capitals. Yeah, yeah, the Outlaws. I followed. I followed your journey with that on Facebook. So uh, that was seemed fun. like a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we we ended up having some guys on that team that I grew up with, and they were like good friends with my younger brother, and they all played high, high school baseball. And most school so it was really cool it was a fun time and picked up some random guy be really good again like lifelong friendships bit so really neat mm-hmm. yeah one thing that also happened when we were playing on the Astros team uh, I actually t- took a hiatus from that team do you remember the guy that stole all the money no I, I, yeah there was a guy that stole all the money and then somebody tried to hunt him down and he just was really rude on the phone it was just uh yeah he was kind of a muscular guy and we never saw that dude again but yeah i just i just remember the the craziest stuff about that team but anyway my my, my father had passed away uh, april 2008 and uh, i just took a break from the team when that happened and it just wasn't important anymore and i think when i came back it was just like eh whatever you know but yeah i I took a i think a couple of weeks away from that team so um it's just those types of memories that i have about baseball and 
really haven't touched anything baseball related since then. So wow. that's how we met. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you up to now? I mean, uh, I, I followed on Facebook uh, that you were in the HR field. Are you still in the HR field? Yep. Um, and I love it. It's definitely my calling. So I, and I, I at a company that I love and working from home right now um, mm. and will be at least through the end of the year. Um, but I, the group of people that I work with are amazing. And it's, it's kind of a, I kind of backed into this company a little bit. I like last year was a really, really rough year for me. And I know a lot of people are struggling this year, but I think mm-hmm. was my year spare. So like I went through a divorce, um, ended up getting recruited, um, by a company as an HR director. And mm-hmm. that didn't last very long. The owner of the company and I didn't see eye to eye just it was just kind of shady that all around um the the thing that they wanted me to actually um accomplish there um i had a very detailed business um but he didn't want to do it that way he wanted to do it in a way where we were putting ourselves at risk and so I ended up leaving and that hurt because i pretty much doubled my salary going there and mm. um I didn't have it all of a sudden, just suddenly I didn't have a job. And so that's when um, I moved out to Orange County um, when I took that job and it was, it was in LA. So it was like 30 miles away from here, which is in LA traffic is a three hour drive. Yeah. Those of you that, <laughs> that don't know. Um, oh, yeah. So it was, it was a good thing that I ended up leaving there. And then I saw an opening for a business partner position at this company I'm at now. And um, somebody is pretty much my mentor in, in my professional career and the person I've modeled my leadership after, um, is a vice president at this company and and came out on the, uh, on the application and got a call right away and hit it off with everybody there. And, uh, executive that I support, um, is actually the son of the founder of the company. And he and I are just interlinked on the same page and we wanted to accomplish the same thing. So it was like, it was like a match made in heaven. And That's I've cool. been there ever since. And, and I, I love it. The people I work with are amazing. The company is great. It's a smaller, it's like a medium sized company, but there's so much room for growth and it's, it's an exciting time to be there. Hmm. And That's I don't know cool. if I could throw out a shameless bug. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> it's uh, the company I work for called Mercury Insurance. Um, so we're, we're an insurance company. We do cars. Um, homes, commercial fleets, and also commercial businesses. Um, we're in 11 states right now. Um, very, very, very um, popular in California, and we're we're growing. So this is everything that's going on with the economy right now um, in the insurance industry. It's actually been a blessing because it's slowed down the rate of accidents. So we're doing well. Yes. We're, we've been able yes. to to refund a lot of our customers, and or actually all of our customers. Um, and we're going to continue to do so as the, as the lockdowns continue. Yeah, I have a USA and USA gave uh, its members money back twice now. And it was just the best feeling to see them do that. And they're just like, hey, look, the reality is you're home probably and you're not driving around as much as you are. So why should we charge you to the same? So yeah. that was very much appreciated. And I was thinking that the people that did still drive around that you would see some kind of spikes in accidents because people are like, Oh, I can go 110 on the freeway. Now there's no cars. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Cause I'm finding that I don't drive as well anymore 
Like I, I was driving to my game this morning and I was like, man, I weave a little bit too much. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah. uh, it's interesting. So you're still in HR, uh, HR, yep. when I think of HR, it's not just writing people up. It's HR is a, a function. It's a service. It's a, a support element for an organization to ensure that, uh, employees rights are protected and, uh, also that, uh, the leadership uh, are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Did I get that about right? Yeah. And there's a million different aspects to the world of HR. Um, but I, I kind of specialize in the organizational and employee development, although I've, you know, been in, in, in every aspect of it, but that's kind of what I hone in on now. So I'm a, like a strategic partner, um, for the executive team on, on building on what we call our human capital and getting the mm -hmm. most out of it. Right. And so my, my passion within HR is the development of, of leaders and succession planning. Um, and we're actually in a, in a spot right now where we have a pretty aged group of leaders, um, that are probably going to be retiring, um, you know, in the next five or so years. And so there hasn't really been a succession plan there. And that's one of the things that I'm helping to create, which is it's, it's exciting for me. I, I love doing it because I like seeing people grow and be successful. That's cool. Yeah. I have some exposure to uh, human capital and uh, workplace innovation and I've seen it done right. And uh, mm -hmm. it is one of those things where if you have people in that field that are passionate about it, uh, the employees are very much receptive. And even the management team are because they get tools out of yeah. the, uh, the deal. And I, I just think that when you have a chance to be in like what you're describing, career nirvana, that is just mm -hmm. where it's at because at the end of the day, you know, a job's a job, but if you can be doing something that you love and work with good people, that's just hard to walk away from and you kind of just want it to just keep going. So yeah, kudos to you definitely. for uh, walking into a phenomenal situation and, of course, with phenomenal weather down in Orange County. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I used to live in uh, Tribuco Canyon, so very familiar with okay. uh, Orange County and uh, we used to go to the beach. Uh, Laguna beach was our main beach. And then we would go to Huntington beach sometimes and, mm -hmm. uh, do the little Newport beach thing with, uh, going into the coves and looking at all of the, uh, wildlife there. And we were picking up shells and stuff that we weren't supposed to. And now that's all protected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have people policing that stuff. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Not much going to the beach these days. Um, everything is pretty much shut down. Although I hear people are still going and it's been a bit of a political nightmare, but yeah. <laughs> you know, the people are, well, right. we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about COVID-19 and the new abnormal a little later for sure. So we we've talked cool. about uh, how we met, which was obviously through baseball and we'll talk about baseball a little bit more because it's MLB season, but let's talk a little bit about hobbies. So outside of baseball, what other hobbies do you have? Um, during normal times, baseball pretty much consumes my life. So I'm playing on three separate teams that are like local. Um, and I play on a, a traveling tournament team as well. So a lot of my free time is, is consumed by baseball. Um, hmm. since the shutdown, um, the, I'm only playing in, uh, for actually I'm just filling in 
on a team right now for a league that's just kind of playing like under the radar a little bit. Mm. Um, and which is fun. We played two games. Um, I, uh, before then, the last time I played was in March and I am ridiculously out of shape. It's <laughs> crazy. Bet. It's, oh man. I, cause I played nonstop baseball the year round for, with maybe three weeks to a month, uh, break in between seasons for the past 10 years now. Right. And so it's it, having like all that time off and just not doing anything but eat and watch TV. Yeah. It kind of took its toll. So um, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I, I don't, I, I pitch very, very rarely now. And um, when we started the outlaws, um, Kenny didn't want to catch anymore. And so I was like, I'll catch. And so I went behind the plate and I've been catching ever since. And love Oh, it. okay. It's, and it's, it's an interesting to convert from being a pitcher to going behind the plate because you think like a pitcher. And so you're always like locked in with your pitcher. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you have that, you know, that same mindset. Um, the biggest piece of feedback I get from every pitcher that I work with is that I, they love how I call a game. Um, because right. I try, I mix it up a little bit and, um, you know, I, I don't do the obvious and even though they, they might want to do something, um, they usually don't shake me off. And it's funny cause you, when I do get shaken off, it, the ball usually goes quite a ways. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I always yeah. give them shit for that. So, but, uh, um, yeah. but yeah, so baseball, big part of my life. Um, I, my, uh, my son's with me now. He's um, he has special needs. Uh, I'm sure you remember him, William. Yeah, yeah. Um, he just turned 22 a couple weeks ago, which he is, can eat. Yeah. Oh, he can eat. He's he can put that food away, and <laughs> and he's got a hollow leg or something because he does. I mean, he's he's got a little bit of a pot belly going on now, but I think mm-hmm. that's because he's of age and he's drinking a little bit, so that mm-hmm. might be part of it. But um, yeah. but he's an amazing kid, and so he lives with me, and it's just the two of us, and I can't imagine having a better person to quarantine with than him because he's just so lighthearted. He jokes around. He gets, he gets my jokes, which is great because a lot of people don't. <laughs> um, super passionate about sports and, and we just, we hang out and, and we love it. So it's um, he, you know, I spent a lot of time with him. Um, but other than that, like I like going out to eat, going to the movies, going um, I'm one of the rare guys that likes to go shopping um, really so that, that part of it yeah and so oh boy. yeah so it's it's a lot of the stuff was just like pulled out from under me <laughs> during yep. the quarantine so so yep. it's just i resorted to uh cooking and eating and ordering doordash and watching yeah. tv i think i finished netflix a couple weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's we'll, we'll definitely get into uh, the COVID 19 stuff but generally speaking everyone's having a hard time with it and uh yeah you know it's it's unfortunate that uh things are closing back down but uh you know this is a time to reinvent yourself is kind of how i'm looking yes. at it so that's what yep. we're gonna kind of get into evolving as a human being but uh my hobbies, yeah. I guess, I guess they've kind of changed since I retired from baseball. I, uh, you know, before COVID nineteen, and when I worked downtown, at some point, I used to be a CalFit member, uh, California Family Fitness, and I would mm-hmm. play ping pong like every day at lunch. I was just into it, <laughs> and uh, had a special paddle, and was very competitive. So that was something that I enjoyed. Since uh, COVID, I've kind of gotten into cycling. So I like to ride the bike around, not in a Peloton or anything with a bunch of people, but I do like to ride the bike around. It's good exercise and uh, 
you know, Rockland's a beautiful community. So uh, everybody's on their bike. So those are what, those are things that I kind of did and do now. And I don't play basketball anymore. I used to be into basketball, but uh, getting older sucks. It really does. I can't do the things, can't do the things I used to do as a young pup. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. So we'll see. I mean, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be golfing anytime too soon, but uh, I did play in two tournaments, uh, I think, in 2017. That was fun. But nice. uh, I think I was sore for four days after the first one because I just hadn't <laughs> I hadn't touched the clubs in four years after the kids were yeah. born. So, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I, uh, I – Found actually, you know, talking about golf, I saw because I'm on Amazon all the time. That's that's one of my one of my addictions. Um, I saw this thing. It's a cornhole board, but it's a, a chipping thing, so you can like oh. chip like little wiffle balls into it. It's oh, nice. it the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life, and I I didn't buy it, but I'm pretty sure I probably will end up getting it. <laughs> if I don't have golf clubs, but my son loves the golf, and so I think it'd be a cool thing for him to to mess around with. Absolutely. Yeah. Cornholes, where it's at when there's big social gatherings and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Where, it's where I work, uh, we did it at the uh, company picnic and uh, it was fun. It was like one of the games that always had employees waiting to take a turn. And, you know, when people get the thing in the hole, it's just this. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you won't be seeing anything like that for a while. Uh, no. Kind of get together. A, a little while. Well, it's funny about downtown Sacramento. I heard uh, via an all EDD, I work at an employment development department, an all EDD Uh email that uh, there was a skunk family that uh, set up shop right next to the building at one point. And uh, the note didn't say we're going to hire an exterminator or anything like that. It's like, just leave them alone. We can't do anything about it because this is their natural habitat according to the city of sacramento i was like holy crap yeah. there's yeah, the so few people thrive yeah <laughs> yeah but there's there's not a lot of people anymore so they're getting more comfortable coming out mm. yeah it's, it's kind of like uh i don't think you'll see any deer downtown or anything like that but just the skunks just moved in and like hey what what are you looking at <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. funny that you mentioned deer because like i i mean driving around la it's it's so empty everywhere and it, it like it really makes me think of that movie i am legend oh yeah. like you're just gonna gonna be seeing like deer like run through the street anytime and it, i've <laughs> uh i haven't been traveling but my son has taken a couple flights and i've taken him to lax and to john wayne in orange county mm-hmm. and both times the the airports are a ghost town nobody's there it was the strangest thing and then my son on one of his flights he had five people and on the other one he had 30. And so it was, it was, what's it, it was crazy. What's it, what's it like to fly? I mean, what are the processes like now? Is it more of a pain in the ass or is it just, there's uh, no people. So you well, just sail through check-in and all that other stuff, security. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I have pre-checked, so I don't have to worry about that, but um, I guess you have to wear a mask through the, through the line. So I guess it's easier to smuggle stuff, I guess. I don't know um, oh. if you're into that kind of thing, <laughs> but um, <laughs> they make you wear a mask on the plane. And I guess um, most companies or most airlines are not filling the middle seats. And so you have a little bit of distance. Oh, so yeah. That's, that's what I hear. Um, and the flights are ridiculously cheap. Like we, um, I booked my son a flight from 
here to from Orange County. In Orange County, to fly out it's usually pretty expensive, but from Orange County to Sacramento, it was like forty bucks one way. Whoa. Yeah, Whoa. I've never seen prices like that before. So, so they're trying to kind of lure people back to uh, the industry, but it's just like a tough sell because a airplane is a pressurized germ tube, so you're recirculating yeah. the same air. So if somebody's sick, oh my god, yeah, don't drink yep. the water. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. Look oh, into but I guess that they're thing. not giving yeah. out like snacks or anything like that too. Is what I heard. Contactless. Yeah, there's yep. no no such thing in that kind of environment. So, yeah, I mean, um, I guess the airline industry will survive, but this is just a pretty eye-opening experience because uh, how it all happened. It's like started out one place, and then everybody was slow to respond. So here we are. Yeah, it's just it's really sad. Really, really yep. sad. So we've talked about uh, hobbies. So let's let's get into uh, baseball, which is still currently your passion. Uh, I don't even watch it anymore, really. I check out the ESPN highlights, but uh, this this season is just interesting. I've seen some weird stuff. I'm sure you have too, as far as uh, virtual fans and uh, the standard uh, fan noise. And but one thing uh, yeah. that's funny is if they let you hear the crack of the ball on the bat, it is loud because there's nobody. It sounds so cool. I love it. Yeah, you, yeah. you can even hear them like knocking their donut off their bat when they're on deck. It's I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of the of the fake crowd noise though. I, yeah, I don't think it's necessary. And then I uh, I haven't watched through a seventh inning stretch yet. But I would be really upset if they're if they're playing take me out to the ball game because it kind of like there's nobody like thrown there. shade at us fans. Yeah, <laughs> nobody yeah. can go out to a ball game anymore. So, uh, so yeah. I don't know if they're playing that or not. But um, I've watched a few games, well, kinda, a lot of games so far in the last three days, um, and it's just as exciting. I mean, it's I, I think the crowd adds a different element to it, but the actions on the field still the same. You know, the players that are playing right now are, are really good. And there's a lot of strong competition this season amongst teams. And then they expanded the playoff system. It's going to be 16 teams this year and, oh, wow. in a 60 game season. So it's, it's pretty exciting. It's, it's, um, it's kind of taking more of a, of the shape of the NBA as right. far as that goes. Um, so that like every game is like super important. And, you know, once you get into the playoffs, they're not going to have this one game wild card. It's actually going to be three game series for their first round. Nobody gets a buy. So it's pretty cool. So here's some food for thought uh, for both uh, Major League Baseball and the NBA. So in Major League Baseball, because of the fan experience, you have uh, all sorts of different types of fans. So you have some people that just like to show up and sit behind the catcher and actually score the whole game those types of fans mm -hmm. and then you've got the people that like to heckle so without any fans yeah. there's no heckling and there's no pressure put on the the professional as far as uh oh, all right uh, three balls two strikes and you know there's no excitement in the crowd there's no crowd so maybe they have a yeah. better opportunity to focus and same thing with the nba where when somebody's at the free throw line you are waving those little stick yeah. thingies and trying <laughs> yeah. to get them to miss. And it's just, they can focus now. Yeah. That it's reminds me of a little commercial. I, I don't know if, I think it was a McDonald's commercial where they, uh, it was at an NBA game and it might've even been Shaq um, shooting a free throw. 
and the people were like waving big giant french fries <laughs> i don't know i think of weird stuff like that all the time you know re- regarding the nba we could probably talk about that a little bit because it's kind of different than uh, major league baseball i mean i don't know like mike trout was concerned about playing i, I assume he got over it and you know, everybody's locked in and everybody's playing and they all uh, have the testing protocols in both uh, professional sports. Uh, so, but the NBA is interesting because of that whole bubble concept and the, the yeah. whole Disney resort thing. And I was reading an article yesterday about Lou Williams and how he needed to step away from the team to go to some viewing of a family friend's father. And then he got, photographed at a gentleman's club and then <laughs> the photo was removed and then uh the guy was just like oh yeah we were just reminiscing about what happened yesterday <laughs> you know it was just like <laughs> awkward and it's just like what happens if he did get exposed and he infects the whole goddamn team yeah what then yep so yeah. and i've actually heard yeah. that a lot of the nba players are are being pretty bad about it like they're they're not showing up for tests and they're going outside the bubble i don't know how they're doing it but um i guess it's not hasn't been a, a very good experience so far yeah Which it's is unfortunate. Uh, there's there's two types of nba players there's the veterans with families and you know they they perfect their craft and they're they're first and they leave last and they don't go out clubbing anymore and then there's the young guys that all they have to do if they go back to their room is play video games and they want to go party and they want to sneak people in so it's going to be interesting when somebody actually contaminates the bubble and a whole team has to shut down because the whole team got infected you know the whole rudy gobert thing that was just crazy man. that was ridiculous yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. And it's funny, like when all this stuff like started before it really hit the U.S., like I was joking about it, too. You know, like, you know, I was I was sharing memes and and, you know, cracking little jokes here and there. But then once it hit close, it just hit like a tidal wave. And it was yeah. Crazy. And and like my company responded actually really quickly. And, and we we pulled the plug on all travel and sent everybody home. We, we sent a workforce of like 5000 people home in, in under three days. Wow, and that's we cool. weren't prepared for it. Yeah, so we actually it it was it was it was a very very busy time for me personally because I had to you know be involved in all that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we did it quick and uh, and we like I said earlier, we've been home ever since. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah. In my case, I'm you know I have uh, triplets, so uh, yeah. I uh, I am the provider for my family. I have to go out and do the shopping it's like why would we have both of us do it that's just increasing the risk so i always have that added burden of all right i'm gonna go shopping a place and i remember when covid first hit uh, and the the panic buying started and you couldn't find clorox wipes anywhere or hand soap or salt or yeast it was absolutely ridiculous but uh i remember uh going to a store striking out and then going to six other stores looking for the same few things that were just nowhere to be found on these barren shelves. And when I got home after still not having any of the stuff I was looking for, I realized, holy crap, I just went all these different places. So in terms of contact tracing, what if something happened? I would have to remember yeah. all the places that I went. So yep. I know L.A. County's getting hammered pretty hard with this whole thing, but... 
uh, it is not a good feeling having to go out knowing that you've got some people that are macho about it. They just have this big ego and they're not wearing a mask in the supermarket and they're laughing at people that are. And I've seen some funny cases where somebody's got, you know, PPE face mask on and uh, face shield and uh, rubber gloves. And then they're spraying their hands down. It's just over the top. But generally speaking, you're seeing, more and more people with uh, masks on. So it's just an interesting time right now. Yeah. It's, you know, I was, I was thinking the other day, I had like this epiphany because I was on Amazon again and I was looking at like cool masks. Right. And then I got, I kind of fell down the rabbit hole and like, like found these funny masks, sports related masks, all this stuff. And and I was like, Oh, these are cool. I want to get one. And then I like stopped in my tracks and I was like, what does this world come to when I'm looking at masks and being excited by it? Like, it's, <laughs> it's so weird. Like, you know, at the beginning of the year, we never thought that would ever be something. Right. And, yeah, and now here true. we are. And uh, yeah, but there's actually some really cool masks out there. If, if you guys want to want to take a look at it, <laughs> at least you can be, if, if you have to comply, at least be, you know, somewhat fashionable. I saw something on facebook that was pretty funny yesterday it was a uh, one of those standard blue uh not cloth mask but it's kind of like thin paper and uh, the mm-hmm. person was uh opening their mouth and then the mask opened and uh, they put in a piece of chocolate and then the mask closed and it looked like uh didn't have a hole in it it was pretty funny oh yeah i've seen that yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i actually i i'm uh, i'm gonna head to the copyright office pretty soon and the patent office because i mixed big idea coming out of this is I'm going to start making N95 condoms. <laughs> I think <laughs> especially oh being like, like kind of new in, in the world of dating again, like it's, you know, it's a big deal. And, and I really think people are going to want to take that precaution and I think it'll, it'll blow up. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So that 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 reminds me about uh something you did a couple of years ago. I remember you were into comedy at some point, stand-up comedy. Uh, what yes. happened with that? So the uh, the way that I got into it is that I had um met uh a person through my ex-wife um who did stand up comedy. And so like one of our first dates we went on um, was to go actually see him perform at a, at a club in Burbank. And that, for the longest time, like everybody's always told me that I'm funny and that I should go into acting or I should be a comedian. And I've always just been afraid of it. Right. And so for the, a couple years leading up to that, I was actually writing down material and but I was definitely afraid to get up on stage and like and do a show. And so during the show that we were watching, my friend, he he kind of stumbled on himself a little bit towards the end. And he just like he stopped his set. And I thought it was part of the bit, but he really forgot what he was going to say. Oh <laughs> so, wow! But he played it off pretty good. Like and he was like honest about it. But everybody laughed because they thought it was part of the bit. And I was like. <laughs> okay, I can do this. I, I, I can do this. So I got kind of into that circle. He was in like a, a, a group of people and they allowed me to perform on one of their shows. And then it just kind of blew up from there. It's um, you kind of network really fast in that community, especially in the LA area. 
because so many people are, are really trying to make it. And for me, it was a hobby. It wasn't something that I was ever going to like try to make it big in because the road is tough. And, yeah. you know, I, I was invested in my career and I didn't want to give that up, which I would have had to, because you, you have to perform, you know, five shows a night in order to get discovered. And it's just, it's just tough. Wow. And so, uh, so I just did shows here and there, um, periodically. And, um, whenever I had the opportunity to hop on an open mic, I would, and, um, I have a friend that runs an open mic in West Hollywood. And so, you know, I'd go out there and, um, I actually did a show. Um, it was an open mic, but I called it a show, um, with Chris Pratt. Um, and he went on right after me and it's funny cause I killed, like I probably had the best set that I've ever done and it's in front of a lot of comedians and they were actually laughing where most <laughs> comedians at, at these open mics, they don't pay attention because they're just writing material, um, oh. and trying it out. But I had him going pretty good. And then Chris Pratt came up and everybody immediately forgot who I was. <laughs> so oh it was God. like, I was like, oh man. And, and he was okay. Comedy is not his strong suit, but I know it's like something that he's wanted to do. So, mm. um, but it was cool. He's, he's a nice guy too. Like probably one of the coolest guys I've ever met. So, and um, he's married to a Schwarzenegger, right? Yeah. Um, is he, I, I didn't yeah. know he got remarried. I know that he had got divorced, um, but I didn't know that he remarried. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, that's cool. Um, powerful family, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so I kept doing it. And then the, the very, very last show that I did, um, it was, it was fun. Like it, it was, uh, it was another open mic. Right. And did pretty well. It probably wasn't my best show that I ever did. Um, but, and I'm not going to name any names on here, but cause I don't want to out anybody. <laughs> so apparently somebody was there that was a writer for, a, you know, a mid, level popular comedian oh, okay. and i did a joke and it's a joke i would never do in a show like i would only do it in uh you know in a trusted crowd and because it had like and definitely couldn't do it now because it had some racial undertones to it mm. um and it, there was a lot of african-american comedians there and so i just thought i'd, I'd throw it out there because it seemed all pretty cool and, and they loved it they thought it was great so this comedian had a special for Showtime uh, a couple of weeks later. I didn't know about this. Um, and it's a, it's a comedian that I watch a show that he's on. Um, and so when I heard about it, I was like, oh, I want to check this out. He opened with my joke. <laughs> oh, and I man. was like, you got to be kidding me. And like, I wasn't mad. Like I was, I was kind of like honored a little bit, but then, I, <laughs> then it made me realize because I've heard about people stealing jokes a lot. And all of these like, big time comedians they don't write their own material for the most part they have writers and these people like the writers will go to these open mics go to the shows and and they'll they'll take material and it's a real thing i even have um one of my buddies he he <laughs> he had something stolen by probably one of the most well-known comedians that's out there wow and and it, it verbatim like they don't even hide it it's it's word for word and so it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. So like when I, when I watched that, I was like, wow, that's my joke. Like I, I said that exact same thing. And, and I was like, but maybe it's just a coincidence. Right. And so I went and like looked up the info on, on the taping and it was literally two weeks after I did that show. Mm. And so, so from then I, since then I haven't done a show. Um, and now with, cause everything's shut down right now, there, there's a couple places that are doing like outside shows. 
which is was just cool and i've been asked to go on a few but i was like nah i'm not i don't really want to and so i've kind of retired from the stand-up world and now i'm i've been writing outlines for uh for a podcast so i have a couple of of episodes kind of sketched out a little bit and it's going to be it's not going to be you know fully comedy based but there's going to be a comedic element to it and um i'm excited to see how it's going to go so it's yeah. it's going to be just me ranting for the first couple episodes and, and just talking about stuff and cracking jokes and making fun of stuff and see how it goes like again it's just a hobby it's just something to, to keep me busy and something new and exciting to do and i even bought so i have in my house um, I had a spare bedroom that was completely empty except for a printer. That's all that was in it. And so since we are working from home now, I've like totally furnished a whole new office and I've turned it into a recording studio too. So I even have a green screen. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. So it, eventually maybe I'll add a video element to it. Um, I'm, I'm definitely prepared for it. So <laughs> have you heard of the platform uh, Twitch? Yes. Yeah, that is interesting. So there's this term associated with streamers called content creator. So that is something mm -hmm. that I'm kind of following. I'm I'm following a few people on Twitch and seeing how they've built their brand and are perfecting their craft. And uh, there's some really amazing people. So I would encourage you to go out to Twitch and follow some people if you haven't already. But there's broad categories. So you could probably do some stand-up comedy there and see if you could build a brand there but uh these people said something interesting about getting started they're like usually with your first stream there's not going to be anybody watching but still go through with it pretend yeah. like there is somebody so it's that whole uh confidence thing that is hard when you're getting on stage but eventually people crash your stream and then you get followers and then they expect content from you and then next thing you know you're doing it on a saturday and some of these people do it full time which I think is amazing. And some of them do workouts, some of them do gaming, uh, but some of them go on and sing. And I just think it's an interesting platform. So I'm looking at sticking a toe as far as a hobby into podcasting. Uh, obviously I have a book out there already and uh, I'm working on a project now to do an audiobook. and I've recorded several chapters and it is so much fun especially with a good yeah. mic. So nice. uh, that's what I'm kind of doing as far as uh, evolving as a human being, which we'll get into later. But uh, let's talk a little bit about just life. I mean, uh, so obviously life's a bitch, but, uh, you know, I found this last couple of years just personally that I want to really expand and evolve and nurture connections with people. I really, my core is fueled by connections to people. So I'm reinventing myself. I'm reinventing how I engage with people. Like I have this huge LinkedIn followers list. It's like 500 something people. And there's some people up there that I've never met. So I just, in 2018, yeah. I started meeting these people, going for coffee, talking, getting to know them. It's like, yeah, you know, Facebook has that kind of vibe too, where you could have somebody on your friends list, but you don't really know them. So it's like, why are they there? So I started getting to know some of these people and it was really rewarding for me because they got to know me. I got to know them and then they could see what I was about and vice versa. So uh, as far as um, that goes, I am just really tickled pink that I've been at this now for two years 
where I'm just meeting people and uh, evolving. So you're my first podcast guest and I'm going to be inviting people from LinkedIn and we'll just chat about stuff because it's just, it's one thing to have a job, but there's more to me than my job. I have other things in my head. For example, I like talking about the future. I like thinking about the future, humanity, you know, how to advance humanity and, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what I've been doing, and it's it's a different spin on the same thing. So I'm a customer service person at heart, but uh, making time for people is, I think, long-term appreciated because life really is short. And for me, it's about the journey, and the journey is really all about who you meet along the way. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I've been doing, and... Uh, you know, I'm in my 40s. I'm sure you're in your 40s, too. And oh, yeah. it's not like midlife crisis kind of stuff, but you start reflecting. I've been doing a great deal of reflecting about who I've met, the impact I've had on people, and what do I have to show for my existence on this planet to date? And what am I grateful for? So uh, life is beautiful at the moment. And uh, despite this COVID annoyance, uh, it is beautiful to be able to find new ways to connect with people and just grow. And I'm just really in a good place right now as far as uh, building connections. That's good. And you got three, you know, well, not so brand new anymore, but you know, <laughs> three more reasons to to shine, right? Yeah. And uh, that's interesting that you mentioned that they uh, were supposed to go back to school next month so august 12th but with how things have gone it's just like school is a mess it was just their transitional kindergarten it was a wash you know they didn't go back after mid-march and they were doing so good and now it's like are they going to go back at all rockland unified school district has offered up three things to people you can go to school full-time you can go part-time via a hybrid model or you can do 100 percent online learning and it's like, what is this going to do to kids socially? It seems like it could potentially yeah. damage a lot of kids. I, I really do worry about depressed kids. It's one thing to have depressed adults, but depressed kids is kind of a scary thing to think about. Wouldn't you agree? I agree 100%. I, I look back at my childhood and everything that's built me into the person I am today revolves around two things, really. One is baseball, obviously. And then the <laughs> other two is just my, my social life. Like I, I mean, I had a pretty strong social life growing up as a kid and it, it, it taught me a lot of things. It taught me loyalty. It taught me how to do, you know, it, it taught me how to stand up for myself and, you know, the people that I care for. And it just, it just, it adds this whole element that people are missing now because we're not socializing. And so Ugh. for the developing mind of a child, gosh, I, I can't imagine it's, it's gotta be frustrating. And it's sad thing too, is I actually talked to one of the employees that I support the other day and he was telling me that his child is starting kindergarten. Um, mm-hmm. but it's all, it's all at home. And he's like, I don't know how I'm going to do this because I'm working at home, but I have this kindergartner that's going to be just starting school online. I don't know if their attention is going to be fully involved in the, in the schooling. And I was like, Oh man, I can't imagine 
what it's that's a, like. And, it's and, a nightmare. Yeah, I feel for you because you know I don't have to deal with that now because my son's older. Yeah, um, and I I just can't imagine what it's like having to deal with that um, and do your work too. Which I I think you're in the office now still, right? No, no, I've been oh, I've been working, working from, from home, home for the past eighteen weeks. So okay, yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, it's got to, and I'm used to working from home. I've done it off and on for years, so it's you know I don't I didn't struggle. Like the transition was easy for me, um, but I just can't imagine having that added distraction. Yeah, it for me it was um, I commandeered one of my children's bedrooms and made it my home office. The first two days, I was out exposed in the the common area where I had a my work laptop and stuff. And that was just a disaster because they were just like, what are you doing home? (laughs) But then when I had a door, it was the same thing. It was just like, they've never really understood that when the doors close, I actually need to work. So it's constant interruptions. And now they started making excuses to show me things. They make a lot of gifts, (laughs) knock on the door. Now they stop knocking on the door. They just come in. And it's like, yeah. what, what, how can you not smile at that kind of thing? But it is distracting because then they get going and rowdy and loud and screaming in front of the office. And I've got, I'm on Zoom meetings. I'm on conference calls. Yeah. I have to put it on mute and tell them, look, you guys can't be doing this. And then my wife gets them out of the house and takes them to her parents or something. But it's just tough, man. It's just, and I'm not the only one. So I'm I'm nothing special in this space, but I I feel for the working families that where both husband and wife have jobs and then they have to carve out time to make sure that their child's learning. I'm pretty sure most people have thrown in the towel on the online learning. Said, you know what, you just want to veg out fine. <laughs> yeah. It's just like something's got to give. Yeah. 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 Cool. So well, hopefully that doesn't uh, last too long. Like I'm, I'm hoping that they can get we'll back see. and be normal. We'll see. I think it's going to be the first part of the school year that uh, it'll be distance learning, and then they'll start offering up. Hey, we're ready for you to come back to school, and we've got these protocols in place. But the Rockland School District sends these really prolific emails. They're just really long. I mean, really long. If you printed it out, it must be. I've, like I've heard. Pages. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard people being overwhelmed by the the emails that are being sent by the districts. Oh yeah, it's like what's what's the important content in it? It's just like a bunch of rambling and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I uh, my wife says uh, we're gonna do online. I'm like, okay, yeah, it it makes sense now because it's like nobody's really got their act together. And this is just with this whole COVID thing in general. It's like everybody's making it up as they go because nobody knows what's going on. That's why it's called a novel coronavirus it's a new virus there's not a lot of data on it so anywho so we've talked about life a little bit and uh obviously baseball is one of your passions are there any other passions that you wanted to cover Uh, so i've pretty much had like a an evolution over the past few years but more specifically the last year um where i've i have i've taken on a new mindset onto things and um it's hard to explain so i used to be very rigid in my way i had to do things a certain way and things had to be like this and you know i had to do this and whoever i was with had to do this and not like controlling but just organized and 
um, I always had a plan for everything. I was very strategic in the way I did things. I never, I, I mean, I would do things on a whim, but not very often. And it turned out just like I had anxiety over it, you know, and mm -hmm. I let it eat me up too much. And so I, the, the epiphany that I had was I was at the airport and we got on a plane. It was an early morning flight and I was flying to New York and we got pulled off the plane because I guess there was some training issue with the flight crew or one person wasn't certified to be on board. And so they canceled the flight and I was flying out of Burbank and they had to bus us to LAX. And so I was like, Oh, great. I'm going to, hopefully I'm not going to miss my, my meeting the next day. Right. And so we're waiting in line to get these vouchers for the bus or taxi actually is what they called for us. And this guy just flipped out in front of the, the lady at the counter. And I was mm. thinking to myself, I was like, man, that, that poor lady, she has no control over it. There's nothing she can do. And then that's when the epiphany hit. And I was like, you know what? Like, I just got to deal with this. Like I, I, I'm not mad, you know, I'm going to get to where I'm, I need to be and it's going to happen. It's just going to take a little bit longer, but there's no reason to get upset about it. Like right. pickups happen. We can't control it. And you know, just, just roll with it. And I did that and it, it kind of slowly, but surely I started to embrace that more and more and more. And then as things like just kind of crumbled and, and fell apart, not the, you know, in the opposite way that I planned, I learned to be more adaptive and, and adjust to things and, <laughs> and really just like work with, you know, the, the crappy stuff that life throws at you. And so, um, I, and in, in the past year, I've done a lot of growing up too, because I really have had to think about, um, people's intentions, right. And when, when I was first in early in my career and I was learning about leadership, um, and how to manage people, one of the things that always kind of stuck with me, but I never really understood, um, fully until recently was people don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm going to do the worst possible job that I can do today. And which I like to consider to be true for everybody. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so I, I thought about that from an intention standpoint and everybody has a reason why they have an opinion or why they do certain things or how, they, why they treat people the way that they do. And so there really isn't a right and a wrong. And, um, a couple of years ago, um, Hollywood kind of brought out a string of movies where like the, the villains were portrayed as like wanting to do good, but it was what they were doing was considered evil. And so the kind of like moniker that came with that was um, the hero is, or the villain is the hero of their own story. Oh, okay. and that really turned my life around just embracing that. And so now like, I don't, I don't, you know, have beef with anybody. If somebody says that they don't agree with something that I say, like, I try to understand, like, I'm curious. I want to know, like, why is there a disconnect? Like, why do we think differently? Um, as opposed to saying, no, you're wrong. Like, I, I genuinely want to know things about people. Right. Um, and it's funny because some people find it a little bit condescending. Um, and so I have to kind of, like, back up a little bit sometimes. And I'm like, no, like, seriously, I, I want to know, like, why you think that the way you do. Because I don't think that way. And I might be wrong. Like, I might be missing something completely. So I want to know. Like, educate me on it. And so... Um, I've really embraced that approach and it's, it's helped me a lot in my personal life and in my career. Um, because I go into these situations when you're in HR, 
you don't, you can't train for every possible situation. It's different. That's, every that's true. Time. Yeah. And, and so, um, I deal with like leaders that get frustrated at stuff and I'm like, okay, well, let's take a step back and, and talk about this. And, and, you know, we really kind of get to the bottom of it and try to, to find the root cause of something as opposed to just dealing with the symptoms. And so, um, that, I don't know, that's, I'm, I've been super passionate about that in the last year. Um, and it's given me a lot of self growth and yeah. I've, I've, I've really learned how to kind of channel that. And it's, 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 I like to say it's my superpower. So, yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's interesting because it's like, uh, we can change. It proves that we can change. We just have to be willing to change. And you're thinking about what you get out of it. And in yeah. this case, it sounds like you get more knowledge, you get more perspective, which is always good, especially in the HR world where you have to be thinking about diversity, inclusiveness, and uh, different opinions and perspectives and not always being right. Like you said, that that is totally, I, I can see where you're coming from there. It's like uh, you're saying that it's a craft of sorts that you have to dial things back and everything you try is not always going to work. So you have to make adjustments because like you said, perception, Oh, this could be perceived as me being condescending, but it's not what uh, I'm doing at all. So you probably have to use colorful language to uh, get in to have that conversation. So that's good. man. That's uh, a, that's a, you know, uh, relationships aren't easy anyway, but uh, being able to evolve in that space so quickly. I mean, that's, that's something that takes years, what you're describing. So um, it's like, even if you're not where you think you want to be in that space, you, you sound like you have a plan to continue to pick up new tools and techniques to, to grow that passion. So that's good. Oh yeah. 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 I, I've, uh, I've learned to be innovative um, and that's like kind of a, a thing that we're doing with my, with my company is like, we are really encouraging people to become innovative. Um, and it's, it, people are like just attracted to it and it, people were scared of it at first, but now they're like, oh, we're learning so much cool stuff. And, you know, things are going to be, you know, different and the, the stuff that we don't like doing, we're not gonna have to do anymore because we're figuring ways to overcome it. And it's right. just, it's, it's fun. It, I love it. Well, I mean, uh, it, it sounds like, you know, there's good days and there's bad days, but you have a pretty solid uh, set of tools in your tool chest that you can draw on and uh, you can add new ones as uh, you get new experiences. And you know, that's yeah. kind of what life's about. It's like, I'm not the same person as I was when we first met, not by a long shot. I would, I would hope that uh, I've had some life experiences that, make me more compassionate, make me more understanding uh, as far as, uh, all right, now I'm a father of triplets. And I think that made me a better leader because I have to manage three different personalities. And I want to produce three productive members of society. And there's so many things that could cause that to not be the case. It's like uh, you're a product of your environment. So, all right, what's their environment? What was my environment when I was growing up? And it wasn't great mm-hmm. at all times, but uh, my parents gave me the right tools, I think, to survive on my own and thrive. And I, I would like to think that I'm doing exactly what they envisioned me to do 
and then some, hopefully. And one of the things I like to do and I'm passionate about is mentoring and developing others and Mm -hmm. getting satisfaction out of other people's success and just being inspirational and like you said, innovative. So those are things that in my arena, I'm looking to nurture and evolve and surround myself with people that can help me evolve. And uh, I think I'm making those connections. So I'm very happy about that. And um, yeah, unfortunately we lost the social component due to COVID-19 and we're having to reimagine that whole deal and we're relying on technology even right now to yep. <laughs> keep, keep on keeping on. And, you know, it's like everything is virtual, this virtual, that I, I attended two virtual happy hours so far for uh, <laughs> something called CA tech. And it was like, um, or tech CA. Yeah. Tech CA. It was great. Cause I got to meet new people. I saw some familiar faces, but everybody had a drink and the icebreaker was, say your name and then what's your favorite drink and that was interesting because mine is an old-fashioned now so i put it up and they're like oh yeah you got the glass you got the ice cube you got the cherry you're ready (laughs) i'm like yeah and i got the the right the right bourbon woodford reserve but Uh, see i i uh i enjoy whistle pig in my old-fashioned it's super expensive but it's so good (laughs) is it smooth going down or tell me a little bit more about whistle pig so I've, I've never bought a bottle of it, um, but I've had it like when I'm out, you know, when we used to be able to go out to places and order a drink. Um, and <laughs> I was introduced to it by, uh, by a teammate, actually. And he's like, I'm buying you. You got to get Whistle Piggy. I'm buying it for you. I was like, all right, cool. I got it. And I was like, wow, this is really good. And um, it's, it's just smooth. It has like a little woody taste to it. Um, and it's the mixture of, of it in an old fashioned is great. I haven't drinking it straight, so I don't know what it tastes like straight, but it was good. Like I had like three or four of them that night and felt mm. really good. And, and it was, it was good. And then a uh, couple months later, I went to a fancy movie theater in Pasadena and they had a bar inside there and I ordered old fashioned thinking it was going to be exactly the same. And it was gross. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what kind of whiskey they put in it, but it was, it was not good. And uh, so I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll, I'll have to pay more attention to what they're putting in it, into it. So, yeah. Yeah. I got on a kick with old fashions. Uh, somebody uh, introduced me to them and I'm like, man, this, this shit is good. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I started going places and seeing what the experience would be. And it was all over the map, man. And anytime someone says I make a mean old fashioned, chances are it's going to be just crap. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was like I've had some of the worst old fashions and then I've had just phenomenal ones. And it's just like those phenomenal ones, the quantity that they give you, the volume is not anything, but the flavor's there, the buzz is oh, yeah. there. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got all the the accoutrements to do it myself. So it's like uh I've got the big long spoon, stirring spoon, I've got the uh the oh, ice hey. cubes, those uh Black cherries. Yeah. Uh, I've got the round ice cube, yeah. So uh, I've nice. got everything. And then I've got the um, simple syrup now and uh, aromatic bitters and the other one, the uh, orange bitters. I just don't have the orange peel, but that's my jam. Uh, the next drink for me yeah. is uh, 
Washington apple martini and then a lemon drop martini. Those are my top three. It's nice. Yeah. I, I know where I'm going next time in Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I have an uh, office in Folsom too. So I travel up there. still. have you uh, ever been uh, to the bank downtown? Like on seventh and uh, J? No, oh, you got to check that thing out, man. That is awesome. It's a former bank. And they have, Oh really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. They have a downstairs where the vault is. They have, like over 400 beers on tap and it's all the, you know, tap and then you tap, no pun intended, but it's a, you tap on the screen and it, you know, you can get a different beer, but uh, they have little stations uh, where there used to be like teller windows and stuff and they're kitchens. Uh So different types of food. So you can go in there and get poke bowls. You can go in there and get sandwiches, burgers. It's like, holy cow. And then they wow. had these lounge areas. Yeah, it was awesome. And they make a mean old-fashioned. So very innovative use of uh, space downtown. Downtown yeah. is completely different. Yeah, I, the last time that I went through downtown was when they were almost finished with the arena. And I it was unrecognizable to me. Like, it, it didn't look anything like I remembered it. Well, it still smells like piss. <laughs> I haven't fixed that problem. Hey, it can't smell worse than, than uh, the French Quarter. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but that is a, a, a unique blend of piss and puke <laughs> that I will never forget. Yeah. You know what's interesting about Sacramento that would be very disappointing next time you come? Uh, go down Roseville Road. There are mm-hmm. so many homeless camps. And now really, somebody set up porta potties and washing stations i think that was the covid talking but you know how you have the rail track on the right side of roseville road when you're heading towards arden oh my god Mm -hmm. just rows and rows of uh homeless camps as far as the eye could see and cars and they're not even trying to hide anymore they're just yeah it's crazy i don't know what happened i really don't yeah it's it's kind of like that down here too well la is really really bad but um and in, in Santa Monica, they they don't enforce anything that has to do with homeless people. They they like embrace them as part of the community. And so it's it's kind of scary. I mean, it's a nice area, but there's just random homeless people that will just run into you. And um, the experience I've had out there, it's not as bad as other places because they they're a little bit more respectful. Um, okay. And, you know, people usually will. I mean, people out there are pretty well to do as it is. So they they like give you know, like without even being asked. And so yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why they flock there, but also it's perfect weather too. But um, out here in, in Fullerton where I'm at, there's like little pockets of, they, it's always like right off of the freeway, like an on-ramp and mm-hmm. where it kind of like covers a little bit and there you can, you'll see a bunch of tents. And yeah. it's it's sad. Like I saw one today when I was driving and I was like, man, that's, that's crazy. And then I think like, how are they managing through the whole COVID stuff? Like, no idea. How is it not completely just decimating them? So I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's interesting is that if I were a billionaire, like if I come into a really large sum of money and uh, had philanthropy that I would choose from, I would definitely form a team to try to make a dent in the homeless problem. And I think uh, technology I don't know. I haven't looked that much into it, but I think technology needs to be a key component of 
solving the homeless crisis, uh, mainly because if you look at a homeless person, you can tell how long they've been on the streets. You can yeah. tell. I mean, mm-hmm. sun damage and it's yep. just... Uh, there's new unless you're in phoenix you can't really tell yeah exactly but uh (laughs) yeah i think uh data is key to really understanding what the homeless community needs because i remember when i was in college down in san diego one of the class projects that we did in uh organizational behavior class actually speech uh, was homelessness and we actually went onto the streets of san diego and interviewed homeless people and we'd learn some jaw-dropping stuff about these people that some of them were very successful at one point, fell on ridiculously hard times, and then just made a conscientious choice to not rehab themselves and to just yeah. be homeless. And you know, then they're just like, oh, I'm free. I'm not responsible for anybody but me, and I'll survive, and that was that. So yeah, yeah tough problem to solve, and uh it's just getting worse in California. It's like, I don't know what's driving it, but it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. There's, I mean, there's so many factors that lead into it and I, I can't even begin to think of what the solution is, but um, I think there's an opportunity with um, as bad as it is that a lot of these businesses are closing down. I think the government kind of has an opportunity to turn some of these places into shelters. Yes. Because um, yes. you see so many, like we're not going to have spirit stores this year. Right? No, so, no. <laughs> they're not going to occupy all these empty buildings. So why not, you know, bring these people in and, and do something good for the community? Well, I had an idea at some point that I actually shopped around with. Uh, there's this guy in Sacramento. His name is uh, Lewis Stewart, and his Twitter handle is uh, Meet Mr. Stewart. He's the city of Sacramento's chief innovation officer. And mm-hmm. he was one of the first people that actually agreed to meet me for coffee and I, I shopped this idea around with him. I was like, Hey man, here's the idea. I just don't have the time to execute it. You get all this vacant real estate in downtown Sacramento. Why don't we reimagine the use of that space and use those buildings to grow food, you know, using, um, what's that stuff called hydroponic. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that's a really interesting idea tell me more. And I start talking about it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you could probably grow enough food to keep every restaurant in downtown Sacramento and beyond stocked with fresh produce. You know, you just tap into the people that know how to grow food indoors. Voila. And it's a good use of the space. And, you know, you don't need somebody at the buildings all the time other than to check the veggies, the fruits and veggies. And, you know, you could have people, it's a job creator people to yeah. go maintain the, the the fruits and veggies to uh, maintain the systems to harvest to deliver stuff around town and i just didn't have the resources or the time to uh, execute that but that was just how my mind works so it was just interesting i figured i'd share that yeah that's that's a better idea than my n95 condom <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know. Like I said, if I had a billion dollars, I would uh, execute some of these pet projects in my head and see what happens. And that's the thing about life. Uh, You can't be afraid to fail. We're all going to fail. That's how we grow. That's how we learn. So That's uh, what we learn in baseball, right? Yeah. Oh, well, we've all been on some shitty teams. (laughs) And, uh, you know, you have to get comfortable with losing so that you know uh, what it feels like to win and that you appreciate 
a good team, you know, where everybody knows their role. Everybody knows the role that they play and they do their part well, but it's not about individual accomplishments. It's about the team. And that's where, before I retired, my mindset was, I was like, hey, it's not about me anymore. I don't need the glory. I just want to help the team. So yeah. I'm okay with pitching. I'm okay with, you know, I throw left-handed and playing third base. How much sense does that make? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what the team needs. So, Bill, we've yeah. covered a lot of ground, and uh, I think it's time to uh, disembark the uh, cruise ship. So I really appreciate the chat and the vibes. Uh, it was great chatting with you, and uh, I think we're going to wrap up this episode. And uh, Is there any closing remarks you had? No, just uh, be on the lookout for, for my podcast coming soon. Hopefully by the end of August, I'll be releasing it. I'm still deciding on a name, so I don't have a name yet. So you'll have to give me a plug once I, once I release it. And then uh, yeah. obviously I would love to have you on as well. So Awesome. Yeah, I'd, I'd be honored. I really would. I think this has uh, been a really informative and uh, natural uh, conversation. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. Oh, Absolutely. It was, it was great getting back in touch with you, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, I wish you success with your podcast and uh, hope that you uh, get the satisfaction you're looking for uh, out of that. And uh, we mm -hmm. will talk again soon, hopefully. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, everybody yep. that was listening. And uh, this has been Michael's uh, cruise ship. And take care. Thank you.